The Serial Entrepreneur, brought to you by Startups Magazine. A podcast bringing you leading businesses and founders who have a story to tell and explain some of their biggest challenges. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Like, I've met so many founders who are like, you know, I should have done this, and then the pandemic happened, and I didn't do this. And, and you spend so much time, like, second-guessing yourself when really mistakes will happen. Like, we're human. It really does improve over time, and I think sometimes when you're starting out, you kind of almost expect yourself to have, you know, super high standards from the start. You know, you want to do your best at the start, absolutely, but you're never going to be perfect. Plus, share their biggest secret, their favourite breakfast cereals. My favourite cereal is an Australian cereal called Nutrigrain. Rice Krispies. It's pretty boring. Weetabix. I have a clear winner. It is uh, Cocoa Pops. Hello and welcome back to the Serial Entrepreneur podcast. Today I'm joined by Hannah Thompson, founder CEO of The Joy Club. The Joy Club is an online community that provides inspiration for a joyful retirement. Members can learn from the experts, keep their minds and bodies active and connect with people who share their interests. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So we always begin the podcast with a little icebreaker question because it's called the Serial Entrepreneur. The question is, what's your favorite breakfast cereal and why? Yeah, I love this. I love this question. I'm, I don't actually eat breakfast cereal, but I do have a favorite breakfast cereal for another reason. Uh, one of my absolute bestest friends in the world, uh, who I won't name, um, she loves Fruit Loops, the American Fruit Loops that are like very, very high sugar content, such that they're not available here in the UK. Well, when we're at university, she used to bulk order Fruit Loop cereal over from the US, but she loved them so much that she was kind of prone to eating too many all at once as soon as they arrived. So she asked me to hide them for her. And as well as loving Fruit Loops, she also was notorious for um, not keeping up with her laundry. And so I decided I would hide her Fruit Loops in the washing machine and she never found them. <laughs> Such was the, the lack of frequency in her washing. So that, that's my favourite cereal. I love um, the American Fruit Loops because they always make me think of my bestest friend and that story, which I love and just really just sums up the whole her and the whole friendship and, and the whole university experience. So Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops, that is such a great story to go behind it as well. <laughs> so could you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about your background and journey? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, I'm Hannah. I'm the founder CEO of The Joy Club. My background is in tech for good. So I've always passionately believed in the power of technology to create powerful and positive change in the world. And I spent my 20s working in other founders, early stage, high growth, tech for good ventures. I've been, for example, the COO of a digital health tech startup that was looking to encourage innovation within the NHS. I was also head of health and strategic partnerships for the women's health company, LV. Um, so I had a, a brilliant 20s working in other founders, early stage, high growth, uh, tech for good ventures, knowing that I wanted to become a founder myself waiting until I'd learned the common opportunities and challenges, learned the ropes. And then finally, for me, the light bulb moment for the Joy Club came from my relationship with my grandmother. And she was, yeah, she, she was the person I was closest to in my family. She was my best friend. Uh, and she had a great retirement. It was full of adventure and joy 
and connection. It really was the best time of her life. And when I lost her to Dementor, I wanted to pay tribute to, and I thought, what better way than to bring my tech experience together with her blueprint for a joyful retirement and share that with as many people as possible. So those really are the two key threads of my background and journey to where I am now. Oh, that's fantastic. So what is the Joy Club exactly and what are you trying to achieve with it? Yeah, absolutely. So we are on a mission to redefine retirement alongside our members. The root of the word retirement actually means to withdraw the mind. And and that is not what my grand wanted. And it's not what I, you know, any of the people I've spoken to, hundreds, thousands of people I've spoken to at that life stage. It's not what they want. So really, it's a concept that needs shaking up. And that's what we're doing at the Joy Club. So we're building the go-to platform for content and experiences that resonate with this important demographic. And it is so important because, you know, 65% of people in later life feel totally overlooked by consumer brands, especially tech, which ethically doesn't make sense, but also commercially doesn't make sense. We've got an aging population and they're an important customer segment to serve. So that's what we're doing. We're we're filling that void. We're creating a product and a brand that really resonates with this group. And we're doing that by building it alongside them and challenging stereotypes around aging and, and retirement as we do it. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's I think it's really important to make sure that people aren't left behind as tech develops. Yeah, absolutely that. Yeah. So you spoke about your relationship with your grandmother and how that was kind of like the starting point of the Joy Club. Were there any other ideas that you that you had that really helped you start building the business? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was really inspired by my gran, but I wanted the Joy Club or what was to become the Joy Club to be bigger than bigger than my gran and bigger than that one data point. And so when I started working on the concept for what became the Joy Club back in 2019, first of all, I I gave myself six months to research um, and I really wanted to be very disciplined with that. And I forced myself, you know, not to think about solutions, not to be thinking about brand and name, just really get to grips with the users, the customers, their challenges, their opportunities. And so I started to volunteer with AGK. And then I also started interviewing people who are either approaching retirement or semi-retired or retired within my network, and then also used a market research agency to find people at that life stage, but but outside of my network. So I wasn't building in any intrinsic proximity bias. And so I spoke to, during that time, you know, in-depth interviews, one-on-one with over 100 people in later life and then I came up with a clear sort of need statement around that and then I actually came up with three business ideas that I thought met that need and then I put those ideas back to that group of 100 people and said you know what do you think you tell me which of these is the best idea which of these best meets your needs and they voted then for what became the joy club and they've helped you know create the the brand the name the product, test the product, come up with the ideas for activities. You know, we've got live online events, on-demand content and community, and and so much of that is steered by the members. And we've continued that radical customer centricity as well in the way that we operate. But yeah, in terms of where the idea came from, the the seedling came from inspiration from my grandmother, but really the the tangible build came from so many more people in later life that have helped me on this journey. 
That's fantastic. I think that it really helps to become successful when your target market is part of the building process, especially when tech can become not as accessible to older people, making sure they're part of the process to a solution that they want. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely that. And and we, you know, as a team are not reflective of the users that we're serving. And actually by definition, because we're serving people who are either on the journey or already they've left the workforce, by definition, they can't be in my in, in, in my team. So it's, you know, thinking about that, being sort of humble and taking the ego out of it. And I always encourage myself and my team to think of ourselves not as innovators, but facilitators. You know, we're here to really understand the needs of our users. We're not the users, so we can't say what's a good idea, what's a bad idea. That ultimately has to come from the user. Um, and by approaching it that way and involving them in the creation of the tech, then, you know, we create this fantastically engaging product that really, I think, challenges is, and is proving the naysayers wrong. You know, I've spoken to people, I've spoken to investors before that have a view that, you know, older people don't use tech, they won't use tech. You know, why is there a tech startup serving older people? And by taking this radically customer centric approach, we have built something that is highly engaging and fit for purpose for this demographic they want and need and deserve it so it's really nice to prove those people wrong great so kind of spoke about it already I touched upon it but what do you think makes the joy club so different and stand out from the crowd yeah I think I think so much of it is baked into that radical customer centricity um we have always taking that approach, you know, back when it was me and I, 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 for the first year, it was just me by myself before I, I hired my first employee. But even when it was just me and radically customer centric, and I've, I've baked that into the culture of the joy club, we all understand that's the way that we operate. And that I think is, is what makes us stand out. But, but there are other things as well. And I think something else that I'm really proud of, and helps us to stand out from, from the competition stand out in general, is the really you know brilliant and prestigious b2b2c partnerships that we've got in place uh, and we started off focusing on the retirement living sector uh, particularly integrated retirement communities and we're working with the likes of orderly villages you know boopers retirement village chain richmond villages anchor the largest provider of retirement housing in the uk so we have these amazing partnerships with amazing partners who are at the forefront of what they're doing in in their sector and we can complement that and then we're turning our attention to other sectors and we've got you know proof of concepts in the pipeline with the likes of lloyd's banking group and standard life and so those are partnerships that i'm really proud of because we're we're picking the the best in class from other sectors to partner with organizations that are looking to support older customers and and we're right there alongside them really innovating and creating a new best in class gold standard for, for what it is to support somebody in older in uh, later life sounds really good you've got a really good thing going on now <laughs> yeah yeah we're, we're really pleased with how it's going we we weren't initially we didn't initially have a b2b2c strategy we we actually started b2c the the products as well was different initially so it's it's taken a couple of pivots to land where we're at and I, th I think that's that's the nature of a, a successful startup is you launch something which is your best guess but you don't know until it's in the real world and then you just have to 
look at the data, listen to your users, and then find your place in their life and find your place in the world commercially. And, and it really feels that we have landed there. So yeah, feeling good. Good. So since the founding of the company, how have you grown both in terms of the team and as well as the whole company? You've already talked about how you've pivoted a lot, which I think a lot of startups do, but what's your journey been with that? Yeah, absolutely. So right at the beginning of the journey, it was it was just me. Um, I This was pre-pandemic, so I'd, um, I'd rented myself a, a desk in WeWork, um, and I remember signing up to, to rent this desk, and they were like, what's the company name? And I was like, I'm not sure. <laughs> and that's what I'm here to figure out. I'm going to figure that out over the next few months. Just, you know, put down my name name, and then we'll figure that out. Um, and so I just sat there and thought, okay, well, let me let's start, let's build something from nothing. Um, and I'd been at LV uh, prior to that. I'd cashed in some of my employee shares in the um, Series B secondary sales. So I, I knew that personally in my fan finances, I had six months in order to create something ready to pitch uh, and pitch that to investors. And Tanya, who's the founder CEO of LV, was always really supportive of me and, and my founder journey. So she'd said to me, look, come back with a pitch deck and we'll talk. So I knew I had that time. And from there, you know, did the research, built the concept, pitched it back to Tanya. She covered the first investment round in its entirety and became chair of the board at that time. Um, and then from there, you know, I've raised over three million pounds from some amazing angel investors, including you know, the founder of Google Maps and, the, you know, the likes of Tanya, Alex Asoli as well, who's the founder of Jawbone and was involved as co-founder in LV. So some amazing angels, some amazing institutional funding as well. Calmstorm VC led by the amazing Lucanus, also Impact Shakers, which is a new type of impact investment vehicle. So raised over three million from some amazing people and funds built an exceptional team of people um there are eight of us now you know people who are really you know dedicated to the mission um and brilliant in their craft as well which is exactly you know the recipe that we need built a fantastic board as well you know tanya uh, of lv is still on the board as is emma mcfarren who's the ceo of uh, the fashion platform list. We've also got Jan Vasinge, who's the chief marketing officer um, over at Wise, Transfer Wise. And then I'm also advised closely by uh, Jane Redden as well, who's a partner at Albion VC. So an amazing team, amazing board, amazing investors, amazing partners. MPS is just on this amazing trajectory. Uh, we're currently at 83, but we're climbing year on year about 10 MPS points. Um, and then also multi-award winning, which is a, a new thing for us to get that broader recognition of our work, including in the Hustle Awards. So just thrilled, just thrilled at the progress. It feels like we're really reaching a tipping point this year. Well, that's so fantastic. And that leads right on to my next question. You won the Social Impact Hero Award at the Hustle Awards this year. So congratulations on that. So how did that make you feel? What does that mean for the company? Yeah, thank you so much. We were absolutely thrilled with the win. And unfortunately, the uh, the ceremony was on a day with train strikes. And so I couldn't be there. And a couple of my amazing team members um, went along and did, you know, a fabulous job in my stead. But I had 
the biggest FOMO. The award ceremony looked amazing. And I heard all about the donut wall and other various things going on. So yeah, major, major FOMO from me on not being able to be at the ceremony itself. But having the award is, it's brilliant. And it's a really great testament to the work that we're doing at the Joy Club. You know, the whole team, social impact really is at the heart of everything that we do. It's in our DNA. It's what we're thinking about every day. And so it's, it's fantastic to have that recognition and, and much appreciated. Definitely. Well, it was fantastic. The judges said they had done a really hard time judging because there was such a high caliber of entry. So to win is, is such a great thing. Yeah, we're, we're absolutely thrilled. And it's a great it's a great trophy as well. I had to kind of wrestle it off my teammate who is a very like very pink person, always wears pink. Love. It's like the, it was made for her. So uh, yeah, she reluctantly gave it up to me um, a few days ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like the, the trophy. It's very nice. <laughs> so what have some of the biggest challenges been on your journey so far and how have you managed to overcome them? Yeah, um, oh, lo- I mean, loads of challenges. I think there are the challenges that are just innate and intrinsic in building a startup, building something from nothing. And then I think there are the, the macroeconomic and macro environmental challenges as well that have been particularly um, interesting over the past few years. And I think the term unprecedented is now used an unprecedented amount of times, but it really has been unprecedented what we've been facing at large in society over the last few years. And, you know, if I rewind back to raising the first round, that was in March 2020, literally a few days before the first national lockdown for the COVID pandemic. And so, you know, that required a bit of a pivot as well, because initially what I was thinking with the Joy Club, it was, you know, it's going to be something that supports people in later life to enjoy experiences out and about real life connections, um, which of course wouldn't have been uh, safe or appropriate at all in the midst of the pandemic. So had to pivot, had to had to build the team remotely, build the product remotely. You know, we, we launched the Joy Club having never met each other as a team. And so that has been interesting, you know, as a, as a business leader, navigating the pandemic and everything that that brought with it. And then there have been other interesting things going on as well. You know, the great resignation against the backdrop of the pandemic, the VC winter as well. You know, that is affecting so many startups and the reduction in VC funding in general in the market and being really responsive to that. That's been huge. And in terms of that, you know, we're very much focused on revenue generation through these prestigious partnerships. Um, and accelerating a path of profitability so that we have that financial independence and are, you know, robust and strong in the face of these massive macroeconomic changes that are swelling around us. So yeah, not without not without challenges, but I think one of my favourite sayings. I'm I'm a sailor. It, I, sailing is like one of my favourite things. One of my favourite uh, sailing saying is that yeah, calm seas never make a good sailor. And I think that's so true as well for startup leadership, you know, in the face of challenge and adversity, if you can be flexible, adaptable, high integrity, clear in your communication, then you you become a better leader for that. Uh, and, and the better leaders win overall. So not without challenge, but taking it in our stride. 
Definitely so. So obviously, startups already face a lot of challenges trying to build the business, trying to get funding and everything. And it really didn't help that the last few years have been really turbulent with what's actually been going on. So I think startups that have been founded like right before the pandemic or even during have really built up that resilience because they had no choice otherwise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Survive. Yeah. Adapt or die really you know you've got to you've got to be able to see what's happening in the environment and make the right changes in the business to to survive and thrive yeah definitely so so on the flip side of the last question what would you say has been the biggest highlight since founding the joy club this is a really difficult one there are so many things that i'm proud of and so many things that have been highlights um for me but i think so something that's happened recently and it and it is only recently that it's starting to happen. I start going to things like events, networking events, conferences, and people have already heard of the Joy Club. And that is such an amazing moment to go from, you know, and 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 having gone on that journey with LV as well, you know, I was in super early with LV. I was person number kind of five or six, um, pre-launch went from a brand that nobody had heard of to a brand that everybody had heard of and then plunged myself back into obscurity on this journey and and started again doing something that nobody's heard of and so to go on that journey but for a business I've built where I'm going to events and people say you know who do you work for and I say well I'm I'm with the joy club and they're like oh the joy club that's great uh what's your role I'm like oh the founder like no way (laughs) that is um yeah, those moments are great. And it's happening. It's happening more and more. And it just, yeah, like I said, it just feels like we're at that tipping point where we're going from that really sort of obscure early stage, you know, creating a new product in a new category in a nascent market, really difficult thing to do. Um, but now it's starting to pay off. And we're getting that brand recognition in general, and, and people are excited by what we're doing. And that feels amazing. So that is a great highlight. <laughs> so what would you say have been the most valuable lessons that you've learned as a startup founder? Obviously, you said you started at LV and you learned a lot from being there. So have there been any on your personal journey with the Joy Club that you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, being a founder, it's one of those one of those things that you really only know what it feels like when you do it. Um, you know, I, I spent years and years working very closely with other founders and other early stage startups, but it's nothing like being a founder yourself. Um, nothing really can prepare you for the role in that sense, the level of kind of existential accountability that you carry with you every moment um, for your business, for your team, for, for, for everything you're doing is enormous. And it takes a huge amount of resilience so, gosh, I mean, learnings and reflections, loads. I mean, I think one is that the only certainty is that there will be uncertainty. And you know, very early on in my in my founder journey, I think when things happened that I didn't expect, I'd be thinking, oh, I should have, I should have controlled that. You know, me good, being good at my job would have been me controlling that and that not happening. But actually, there are so many things that are outside of one's control and that you could never control and so actually as a founder and and the way I think about it now is you know am I curious am I noticing what's going on am I then making very sound and strategic decisions based on the information available to me 
am I acting with integrity? Am I communicating clearly? And actually, if I'm doing those things, then those are the things that are in my control. And that's me doing a good job as a founder. So I think that's a key learning. I think another reflection would be that it's absolutely critical to remain customer focused. Um, In the early days, we had a very frustrating issue with a competitor of ours. Um, Their founder would log into our platform very frequently. And then days later, we would see our copy or our designs live on their site. And that was really disheartening for the team because they would have spent, you know, hours and hours interviewing customers, landing on the right copy, landing on the right designs. And then to see that somewhere else without that work having gone into it was really disheartening. But I, you know, I reassured them at the time there's there are two types of startup. There are competitor focused startups and there are customer focused startups. And it is the customer focused startups that win. Um, in the end, even if it looks like the competitor focused ones are being able to get there quicker and, you know, it, in the end, uh, the customer focus will win. Um, and we're really starting to see that as well. So I'm very proud of the team for that and very sort of proud of myself for, for holding on to my integrity and encouraging that in the culture as well. Um, so I think that's another reflection. And then I guess as a reflection number three, you know, people are everything, like absolutely everything. Yes, you need a good market opportunity and a good product, um, but having the right people around you or actually having the wrong people around you can make a massive difference. And so as a founder, it's really important to identify those good people, the high performers, the cultural contributors, support them, hold on to them. Um, It's also really important to identify the people who may be contributing negativity or toxicity to culture maybe they can't perform and even with coaching they can't quite get where they need to be and you need to act quickly in those circumstances as well um and then also just think about looking after yourself you know as a as a founder you're you're the early stage business's biggest asset you need to be strong to do well in your role and also make sure that the people that you love know that you love them because you're probably going to neglect them you know they're not going to be top of your pile your business will be number one priority so just being mindful of the people around you, surrounding yourself with the right people um, to, to take you on the journey and, and support you on that journey and achieve what needs to be achieved collectively. Yeah. So kind of going on from you saying about how essentially you are the business, everything you do is essentially for the business, most other things get put aside. So how do you deal with the stresses that come with being a founder? Yeah, um, a huge unlock for me has been spending time with other founders and, and and starting to build the business in the pandemic. I, you know, initially was sort of working in isolation. I hadn't met another founder other than the ones I'd worked for previously. I'd not yet in my capacity as a founder myself met and connected with other founders. And then after the first lockdown, um, Houghton Street Ventures put on uh, like LSE alum founder drinks and I rocked up and I spoke to one other founder and we just immediately realized that it doesn't matter what your business is really 99% of your problems will be the same you'll be worried about you know the team hiring runway funding you know all of these things just are are startup wide and so spending time with other founders you know that was just this this moment of of 
just relief, I think, to have met somebody like, who could really understand what I was going going through as well. Um, so that was an amazing moment. And then I, I made a New Year's resolution that I would spend time with other founders. And then shortly after that, an uh, email in my inbox arrived inviting me into a founders community that has been life changing for me. Absolutely life changing. You're with people who get it. Um, but also, it's, I feel like I finally found my tribe in life um, because I think founders are unusual people. You've got a very high risk appetite. You're obsessive. You know, you're just, you've got this vision to create a version of the future that only you can see. So you're a very particular kind of person. And so then to be with lots of those people is fantastic. So yeah, spending time with other founders is how I deal with the stresses of, of founder life and also running. I love to run. That's my sort of meditation and burning off the cortisol is how I do it. That's good to know. So what does the future hold for the Joy Club? Do you have any big plans in the pipeline that you could possibly tell us about? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, our ambition is to build the largest and most joyful community of retirees globally. So that's the level of ambition that we've got. Um, and so the the plans that will help us get there, you know, the partnerships super exciting they help us to have impact at scale really excited to be launching the proof of concept work with Lloyd's Banking Group and Standard Life that's going to be you know massive uh, for us and I'm really excited about the impact that we can have there and then product wise it's really about you know staying true to the way that we operate continuing to listen to our members follow that member feedback to to continue to evolve the product and and deliver value and joy to to our members who are the most important stakeholders of all of course yeah fantastic i'm very excited to see what you what the joy club is up to next we're really excited to see the way you grow so to round off the podcast did you have anything else you wanted to mention no i don't think so other than i suppose if uh, if you're listening to this and you think oh my gran or my mom or my dad would love to go onto a, an online platform for live online events and on-demand content and community then you can send them to www.thejoyclub.com uh, and people can sign up for a no obligation free trial uh, so yeah do do check it out um, and also if you're interested in anything we've been talking about feel free to follow me or connect with me on linkedin okay fantastic thank you so much for spending the time to record the podcast with us and congratulations again on winning at the hustle awards thank you very much and thanks for having me the Serial Entrepreneur, brought to you by Startups Magazine. A podcast bringing you leading businesses and founders who have a story to tell and explain some of their biggest challenges. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Like, I've met so many founders who are like, you know, I should have done this, and then the pandemic happened, and I didn't do this. And you spend so much time, like, second-guessing yourself when really mistakes will happen. Like, we're human. It really does improve over time and I think sometimes when you're starting out you kind of almost expect yourself to have you know, super high standards from the start. You, know, you want to do your best at the start, absolutely, but you're never going to be perfect. Plus, share their biggest secret, their favourite breakfast cereals. My favourite cereal is an Australian cereal called Nutrigrain. Rice Krispies. It's pretty boring. Weetabix. I have a clear winner. It is uh, Cocoa Pops.